Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. We're going to look at a much more recent champion today compared to some of our other heroes. Today it's the turn of the mares, and it's also the turn of Australia. And while we'll explore the mighty winks in a future episode, today it's that other great Australian sprinter, Black Caviar, who is our focus. Some great horses have statues in their honour. Others have movies made about them. But how many can boast being on the front cover of one of the world's most iconic fashion magazines? Black Caviar, for one. And it wasn't just because she was gorgeous that she was a poster girl for Vogue. It was because she was unbeatably brilliant. In fact, her start in life wasn't so auspicious, as there were issues with her dam, Helsing, which meant that Black Caviar had to be bottle-fed at her farm in Victoria. It actually seemed to have a positive effect on her, though, as she would grow to 16.2 hands and weigh in at her peak at a huge 575 kilos. That is heavier than some sizeable steeplechasers. Having been picked out of the yearling sales by trainer Peter Moody, she was bought by a consortium of friends, the Maddens, the Wilkies and Neil Werrett, who had known each other since primary school and had always wanted to buy a horse together. Serendipity played its part, as Werrett knew Moody, who showed them the big, near-black filly, and they took the plunge, buying her for 210000 Australian dollars, with friends Pam Hawkes and David Taylor joining in. And in Taylor's case, that was behind his wife's back, as he knew she wouldn't approve. As first purchases go, maybe only Seattle Slews was comparable in terms of sheer, outrageous luck. The group called her Black Caviar, partly to reflect her colour, and partly because the filly's grand dam was called Scandinavia, home to the exotic fish egg dish. In turn, choosing her colours as salmon pink with black dots to reflect the caviar felt instinctive. She ran just twice as a two-year-old, both times bolting up without showing any sign of greenness. And on the second occasion, that was by six lengths in the blue sapphire stakes, but that was barely the hors d'oeuvre. She continued to improve at three, and, now ridden almost exclusively by Luke Nolan, she started specialising at six furlongs, taking in a listed race and then two group twos, despite stumbling at the start of the latter. A ligament injury meant that she had to be put away for the rest of the season, but owners and trainers sensed that the best was yet to come. Taking in two more group twos with facile ease at the start of her four-year-old campaign, Connections decided to take the plunge in Group 1 company at the Patinac Farm Classic in Flemington, with a high-caliber field assembled. She utterly destroyed them by four lengths, Nolan motionless. And now the star could probably be said to have been born. She followed this up quickly with easy victories in more Group 1s, the Lightning Stakes and the Newmarket Handicap, making a mockery of her top weight and breaking the Flemington five-furlong course record in the process giving her a rating which made her the top-rated horse in the world. But she was just warming up. Caviar Mania was beginning to grip Australia, and after another easy Group 1, 
she made her first visit to New South Wales for the TJ Smith Stakes. The usual crowd of 3,000 was now 10 times bigger, and her new army of fans were not disappointed as she crushed the field of almost exclusively Group 1 winners. Venturing further north to Doomburn near Brisbane for the BTC Cup, the situation was repeated. Huge crowds, spread-eagling victory, adoration. Unbeaten over three seasons, and with the owners loving every minute, it could be argued that she was even better the following season. She polished off Group 1s and Group 2s as though they were exercise canters, usually winning by no less than three lengths, and often with Nolan merely a passenger. This included a repeat of her victory in the Lightning Stakes, where, true to the race's name, she ran the middle furlong of five in an unbelievable 9.98 seconds. No one could recall another thoroughbred in Australia recording a furlong in under 10 seconds. Yet for her, it seemed easy, as her monstrous 27-foot stride meant that she took 24 strides to cover a furlong compared to the average for a thoroughbred of 30. The win took her to 19 straight victories out of 19, beating the Australian record set the previous century by legends Farlap and Burnborough. She then went to Morfittville in South Australia to spread the love there, annexing the Robert Sangster stakes by four and a half lengths. But it wasn't just all of Australia who wanted a piece of her. On the other side of the world, the authorities at Ascot were desperate to do anything to bring her over to the royal meeting, specifically the Diamond Jubilee Stakes, and pitch her against Europe's best. The charm offensive worked, and her incredibly sporting owners put her unbeaten record and her international reputation on the line. It wasn't the cheapest option either, with the 30-hour flight in a specially designed compression suit costing them £100,000 or 150,000 US dollars just to get her there. The weather was typically June-like for England, i.e. wet, which shouldn't have put her off as her favourite activity was a trip to the seaside for a swim. Black caviar, despite her epic journey, prevailed, but only just. Palpably better than her opposition, she sustained a muscle tear in her shoulder halfway through the race, but still pulled away. Then, Luke Nolan, in a moment of madness, dropped his hands far too early, perhaps misjudging the finish line. French challenger Moonlight Cloud got to within a head of her by the finish line, with Nolan profusely apologetic in the aftermath, calling his action brain failure, as Queen Elizabeth II admired the wonder from down under in the flesh in the winner's enclosure. Tight it may have been, but her supremacy had been clear to all, and she was named later in the year as European Champion Sprinter, the first time the award had gone to a horse not trained on the continent. Given time to recover from her injury, it was during her recuperation that she did her cover shoot for Vogue, maintaining her incredibly calm demeanour throughout like a true professional. She only reappeared eight months after her previous race as a six-year-old, but carried on regardless, taking her third lightning stakes and breaking the Flemington course record in the process, covering the five furlongs, 1,000 metres, in a blistering 55.42 seconds. Just five days later, the Australian racing authorities broke with tradition and inducted her into their Australian Hall of Fame. Only Sunline had previously joined this exalted circle while still actively racing. 
but Nellie, as her owners affectionately called her, wasn't done yet. The following month, she pulverised the field in the William Reed Stakes at Mooney Valley, before sauntering clear to take a second TJ Smith Stakes at Randwick, after which she was once again placed at the head of the international rankings. Starting at odds-on for the 24th consecutive time, she had now won 25 races, 15 at Group 1. What else did she have to prove? As it transpired, nothing. Later that month, journalists were called to a hastily organised press conference at Moody Stable, where the emotional trainer, on behalf of the owners, announced his superstar's retirement. At the end of the day, we believe she's done everything we've asked her to do, and she could possibly have done no more, he said. We thought, what else can we achieve? The connections of the horse and I decided 25 was a great number. She's been a great shining light for racing. Indeed she was, as her name trended on social media worldwide in minutes, in a way that few of her species had. She was a truly global phenomenon, who genuinely transcended her sport. Indeed, earlier in her career, Australian rules football star Dale Thomas had a bet with owner David Taylor that Black Caviar couldn't win 20 consecutive races. To his credit, after the inevitable happened, Thomas fulfilled his end of the bet and had Black Caviar tattooed on his posterior. A career in the breeding shed beckoned, although sadly not with her legendary peer Frankel. Rumours of a dream coupling had been circulating for years. As one Australian wag reminisced, she was built like a bulldozer, but performed like a ballerina. Massive she may have been, but there was seldom a horse that captured the public's hearts as she had. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and explore the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening. 